This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 21st of December. In your Squiz today, Omicron brings back National Cabinet. Peng Shui denies making sexual assault claims. Hong Kong's election results. And coffee, it's in your DNA. This is your Squiz today. While National Cabinet wasn't meant to meet again until February, Omicron will bring state and territory leaders back together with the Prime Minister tomorrow in what Scott Morrison is calling an informal meeting. The prospect of restrictions is, of course, top of mind as cases rise, especially in New South Wales. We know state and territory leaders have often done their own thing when it comes to COVID management. In New South Wales, where cases are surging, Premier Dom Perrottet is at this stage still ruling out any restrictions. Yeah, he's been pretty consistent to say that New South Wales has a high vaccination rate and therefore those restrictions are going to stay eased. He says he's not that interested in reintroducing a mask mandate or other restrictions. He says that in New South Wales, he's treating our state like adults. Uh, But there are other jurisdictions where masks are mandated and Queensland's Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk was one yesterday who urged Queenslanders to keep them on. And what we learned last night is that the Chief Medical Officer, Professor Paul Kelly, has now written to all state and territory leaders uh, to say that the advice is that a mask mandate should be imposed in all indoor settings. So we're talking about places like shopping centres, uh, supermarkets, hospitality and entertainment venues. So that's going to be a big shape in the conversation today and tomorrow. That advice from the Chief Medical Officer backs in what a lot of epidemiologists have been saying. There's a lot of discussion from health experts on mask wearing and mandates. Yeah, there really is. And epidemiologists from the Doherty Institute, also those from the Kirby Institute, say that masks should be made mandatory indoors. So when you're going shopping, when you're in retail, uh, if you're in close contact uh, in those spaces, they say that they offer good protection and they cost virtually nothing. Uh, One who's taking a slightly different approach is Peter Collignon. He is from the Australian National University. He's a renowned epidemiologist. Uh, He says, he wants people to be safe, but it's going to be a long ride. He says, we're probably going to be dealing with this as we head into winter. So you've got to take people along and wearing masks in summer isn't a really nice thing to do. So policymakers need to be very circumspect. We'll have to wait and see what will come out of that National Cabinet meeting when it comes to mask mandates. Also reportedly up for discussion at National Cabinet is bringing booster shots forward to four months after you've received your second shot. Over to China, where tennis player Peng Shui is now denying that she said that she was sexually assaulted. It was back in November that she made accusations against a former top Communist Party official on her social channels. She then disappeared for a few weeks and now has come this flat denial that she ever said it in the first place. The WTA, the women's tennis governing body, aren't buying it, Claire. No, they're not. They've consistently demanded proof that Peng is okay uh, and they have cancelled upcoming tournaments in China until that happens. They were unmoved by what Peng said in that Singapore Chinese language newspaper. They say that they remain steadfast in their call for a full and fair and transparent investigation into her original allegations of sexual assault. 
Pung wasn't seen for about three weeks after those initial posts that she made and any mention of her was heavily censored on Chinese social media. What wasn't made clear in this recent interview that she's given is if it wasn't her that made those claims in those posts, then who did and why were they published? It seems there's a fair way to go on this one. Jumping over to Hong Kong, in results that should surprise absolutely no one, pro-China candidates have won 89 out of a potential 90 seats in those legislative council elections. And even the 90th who has got through a guy called Tick Shiyong, uh, he might not be a pro-China candidate, but certainly he is someone who has been vetted as appropriate by a pro-Beijing committee. Uh, and in the past, he has criticised pro-democracy advocates in Hong Kong. So yeah, the result is definitely what people thought it would be. Uh, turnout of voters uh, is very low. 30.2% of eligible voters cast their vote. It's the lowest turnout in the territory's history. Uh, Those who have been pro-democracy advocates uh, who have fled Hong Kong, one notable guy, Nathan Law, he's a former Legislative Council member. He now lives in the UK. Uh, He said that people didn't want to vote uh, for what he called a rubber stamp chamber and pretend that everything's all right. And last night, Foreign Minister Maurice Payne and her counterparts in Canada, New Zealand, the UK and the US expressed grave concern over the erosion of democracy in Hong Kong. Still in international news, in the US, President Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan has hit a big roadblock. He's been attempting to get a $1.75 trillion spending package over the line, but now Senator Joe Manchin, who is a Democrat, has said that he won't support it. It's a big deal, Claire, because this funding is needed for a whole range of Biden's key policies. Yeah, well, for one, it's a lot of money. A lot of money. $1.75 trillion. In Aussie dollars, that's about $2.5 trillion. So, yeah, it's a lot of money. And also, as you say, what he wants to do with that money is quite a big part of his signature policies and agenda. So we're talking about things like climate change, uh, also healthcare and education. Uh, Manchin, for his part, he is a Democrat, so he's a teammate of Joe Biden's. They've been working on him for quite some months to try and get his support. The numbers in the US Senate are so tight that they really need every team member to line up with Biden to get their policy agenda through. And it all blew up very spectacularly yesterday when Manchin said that he wasn't going to support it because he said he just didn't believe that those agenda items were really appropriate for the country. The big question now is whether Biden and the Democrats will change the plan to get things happening. It's one to watch. We've covered a fair few scientific studies and research papers this year, but this is a good one for our last week. Mostly, I think, Claire, because you and I are drinking a hell of a lot of it to get through our to-do lists before we wrap up. (laughs) But a recent study says that the coffee you drink could be determined by genetic factors. So your DNA. I don't think it's just us guzzling the coffee at the moment. I think we've we've got a few supporters when it comes to that regard as we get to the end of the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's good to know how your genes might play a role in that. Uh, What researchers from Northwestern University in the United States say is that if you metabolise caffeine quickly, chances are you prefer black coffee and dark chocolate. Uh, That's because your nose is probably sniffing out what 
it thinks is the strongest coffee mm. hit. Uh, those on the counter side, uh, if you don't metabolise coffee quickly, you're probably pretty relaxed about a weak cappuccino with extra <laughs> milk uh, and a Cadbury dairy milk chocolate. Those kind of things are really down your alley. I like my coffee strong and I like plenty yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that'll get you through this part of the year is a list of top memes and viral moments of the year. It's quite a fun way to look back at another strange year, Claire. My favourite, I have to say, was Aussie swim coach Dean Boxall. I was very grateful <laughs> uh, for this list for highlighting that. I'd all but forgotten it. Of course, he was Ariane Titmus's coach uh, at the Tokyo Olympics who made quite a scene when she had a spectacular win. What a, mo- what a moment it was. <laughs> it's in the Squiz Today newsletter today, that link. Speaking of end-of-year content, stand by for our year in review wraps. You and Kate will be going through 2021 one with a whole episode devoted to the quirky news because boy do we need it this year if you hit follow or subscribe in your podcasting app it'll pop in there starting next week squeeze the day claire what are you keeping an eye on speaking of the lighter side of life it's the ninth anniversary since gangnam style became the first <laughs> video to reach a billion views on youtube uh, it's now up to 4.2 billion views so it's only onwards and upwards for psy and gangnam style still oh gosh well i'd, I'd rather forget that moment i'm really gonna just talk fast so it doesn't get in my head <laughs> it's got a fair way to go to catch up to baby shark though i think that's up around the 10 billion streams oh. but i also don't want to get that in my head so I'm just going to keep going. We might leave the podcast there for the day. Hope those two songs don't get in your head. Have a good Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.